On today's Beaver to Broad podcast, we explain exactly what the hell the Beaver to Broad podcast is. We will be breaking down Temple and Penn State's last season and offseason. What else, Tommy? You can say hi. Hi, everybody. Familiar voice. Um, and then we'll be going into a very real mailbag that everyone knew about because everyone knew this podcast was coming. <laughs> Yes, and we'll be getting everyone up to speed with our long-standing Penn State and Temple takes. So why don't we get yeah, started? We, Here is we want to we want to set a solid baseline for you guys, so you guys know exactly where we stand on all the big questions. Yeah, like if you're listening to a Sixers podcast for the first time, you want to know if they were in or out on the process, or in and out on Iverson, or like right. Larry Brown, or like Doug Collins. It's a podcast, so they probably weren't because they're yes. probably, you know. <laughs> Bad example because every Sixers podcast is pro-process. Anyway, here is Christian Hackenberg getting sacked. Third down and 10 for Penn State after the video review confirmed the ruling event. Pass on the field. And after the with another sack of Christian Hackenberg. So welcome to the Beaver to Broad podcast. From college to Walnut. That's one street over in each. Beaver being Beaver Stadium, or I guess Beaver Ave in State College, and Broad being Broad Street in North Philly. This is the only, I think it might actually be the only Penn State slash Temple football podcast. I think we can say that with near certainty. Yeah, it's kind of unique. Now I'm kind of excited. I'm your host. I never said that. I'm your host. Chris Ankoviak. I'm a producer at SiriusXM, the college football channel, and a Penn State grad, and my co-host. My name is Tom Stinson. I'm a, uh, a business analyst, <laughs> and uh, I guess because we're introducing our professions here, and I am also a Penn State grad. You were thinking he was going to be a Temple grad, didn't you? Well, you're wrong. Dead wrong. Anyway, we are working underneath the Philly front office umbrella. Shout out Philly front office. Shout out Rihanna. And uh, we'll be bringing you, maybe not every week during the offseason, but during football season, your weekly breakdowns of both Penn State and Temple football. We are trying our best to immerse ourselves in the Temple football. I think I did a pretty good job last night. Yeah, so I think, I mean, I think this is a good time to kind of jump in and start talking about why why we wanted to do this and and why we chose both Penn State and Temple and kind of our u- unique perspective with both. Yeah, I mean, I work. Th- that is basically why I humble bragged about my profession. I work oh. at SiriusXM on the college sports station. So we talk college football, college basketball year round. Yeah, and I think a, a big part of it for me is Chris and I, are constantly talking about Penn State football year round, whether it's recruiting, um, whether it's spring storylines, and then obviously getting into the season. And then we get into college basketball for a little bit, and then we're right back on football. Um, So we're already that obsessed with Penn State. And Temple is the local Philadelphia team that we're both kind of trying to take. Yeah, we're both kind of in on Temple, but we're also um, taking it more from an approach of, being a little bit emotionally detached. Um, so we can kind of just offer our, our straight up opinions as opposed to maybe some of our 
over the top emotional takes that we deliver with our normal Penn State banter. And here's, and I'm just going to vouch for you too, Tommy. In doing Great. my research the past couple days on Temple football, I wanted to ask some some of my Temple friends, Temple alumni, their opinion on the new hire, new head coach Rod Carey, and I had a stronger opinion than any of them. So there you go. I think that I think that almost entirely validates your voice as the noted and full opinion of Temple Al football. Yeah. So even though neither of us went to Temple, we know about Temple because we know more than Temple grads. At least the uh, three that I texted. Is it worth me going to grad school at Temple just <laughs> for the sake of the podcast? Dropping in a, a cool 40000 or 50000 a year for a couple of years to get my, my MBA from Temple? I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for this podcast that we've been doing for 20 minutes now. It'd be a good bit. It would be a, a, a hilarious prank. That would be a great self-troll. Are you actually thinking about getting your MBA? Yeah, I am actually, but but not a... <laughs> but not a temple? No, no I was going to say I haven't really started that. thinking about places yet. I'm more so thinking about um, potentially starting to like study for the exam. Okay. Yeah. So, on our first Beaver to Broad, not Broad to Beaver, podcast, we figure... We will just get everyone up to speed on Temple, Penn State football. We will recap last season. Rewind. Yeah, I mean, no one wants to jump into a podcast six episodes in and has no idea what's going on. No, that's what I'm saying. Play the uh, play the rewind sound effect here. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So, <laughs> we're going to rewind Temple's last season. Temple had a pretty fucking wild offseason. They did. And Penn State season and offseason – um, as you can tell by the tone of my voice, I think it was the most forgettable season that I can remember for Penn State football. I think no one's going to look back 10 years from now and talk about uh, Penn State's 2018 season. I would agree. Um, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Temple or Penn State? I think we start with Temple. Uh, yeah, let's do it. I'm down. All right, so Temple, regular season recap, then their offseason recap. So they – and. I, I'm kind of just like telling a story here, Tommy, so just chime in whenever. Okay. Uh, so Temple headed into 2018. Jeff Collins at the helm. It would not end this way. Spoiler alert. This is like uh, this is like actual spoiler alert. This is real spoiler alert. If you have not watched Game of Thrones, fast forward 30 seconds. But this is like the time when I started reading Game of Thrones for the first Wait, time. Wait, are, are, are you coming in with my spoiler alert? With yeah. actual spoiler? Yeah, I am. So <laughs> so the first time that I or the the first time I tried to start reading Game of Thrones when I was in college and then lost interest because reading books in college was hard. Um Chris said, Have you gotten to the part yet where they cut off Ned's head when I was like a hundred pages into the first book? What I said was, why would you read the books if you know at the end of the first book? Ned's going to get his head chopped off. And then you told me you hadn't even watched Game of Thrones, the TV show yet. Right. Which, man, I, I felt like a, a huge dickhead. So, yes, we're starting off Temple season recap with a spoiler. <laughs> so, Temple started off like dog shit. Mm. Then they beat Maryland at Maryland. Now. Who beat Texas? What I was going to – this is a good segue into expectations and how we need to separate them for Temple and Penn State. 
Right. And I'm not trying to come off like a douche. This is just how college football works. <laughs> Temple beating Maryland is pretty awesome because Temple beat a Big Ten team. Penn State beating Maryland isn't a big deal because Penn State is in the same conference in them as Maryland, and they are a much better team. If Temple loses to Maryland, it's not the end of the world. If Penn State does, it kind of really sucks. <laughs> yeah. And especially for that. me, because I work in D.C. and I talk so much shit about Maryland football. I but, can see that. Um... But Penn State is in the Big Ten. They are one of the three, four best programs yeah. in the Big Ten. And Temple is in the American. It's the best group of five conference. But a team in that conference went undefeated for two straight years and didn't even sniff the playoffs. That's right. They live in different neighborhoods. They eat at different restaurants. The expectations are going to be different. On top of both of your hosts being Penn State alum on top of it. Yeah, the clear bias. So, let's just separate the expectations all together. <laughs> like we're going to finish this temple went eight and five and now, and it was a pretty good year. And then we're going to say Penn state went nine and four and it was kind of a shitty year. I mean, they lost 56 to 27 to Duke. Yeah. Well, and we'll Daniel get to that. Jones so anyway, state. temple beats Maryland. They kind of write the ship. They were, they were probably the second or third best team in the American conference all season. They were a clear tier below UCF. Well, yeah. Their only loss in conference was the UCF, though. And they gave them a hell of a game. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I would say UCF, Temple, and Houston were like the three most competitive teams in the American. Yeah, but it's a clear UCF, then it's a tier of Temple, Houston, Cincinnati, USF some years. Right. I think you can make an argument that Temple was the second best team in the best group of five conference. Now, what happens when you are the head coach of a very good group of five conference team? You get poached. You get poached. And Temple made a bowl and then lost their coach. I I, I can't really hold it against them for getting their asses kicked in a bowl game when you lose your coach. I agree. Some teams rally the troops and like the fuck you, we don't need you anyway. And other times they're like, ah, fuck this. We don't really feel like being there. Yeah. <clears throat> and I feel like, like to be honest, because this happens to Temple about every two or three years. Yes. So <clears throat> there's definitely a fatigue factor on top of that. Right. And, they, and they've been just using the same interim coach. It's just they're like crazy specialist teams coach who's just been there for 15 years. <laughs> he so gave every an epic year, speech. Every year he gives an epic speech, and every year he gets considered for the head coach job, and they look over him. So anyway, Paul Johnson retires at Georgia Tech, which opens a very intriguing job, by the way. Georgia Tech's been like a fun, but ultimately non-contending ACC team. And now he leaves and all of a sudden you have an ACC job in the middle of Atlanta. So Jeff Collins leaves for that. And Temple does what they always do. They make a great fucking hire. Manny Diaz. They hire Manny Diaz. Uh, defensive coordinator for the Miami Hurricanes. The defensive coordinator of not only the Miami Hurricanes, of the turnover chain-wearing Miami Hurricanes. Oh, yeah. An electric unit, some could say. Manny Diaz is with Temple for about three weeks, four weeks, and then Mark hires, uh... just abruptly retires, the head coach at Miami. Yeah. And Manny Diaz, who was born and raised 
in Miami, does a uh, sorry, not sorry, I'm going to leave. A Belichick. Does a Belichick. I was thinking of other examples. uh, Or a Josh McDaniels. Yeah, I think a Josh McDaniels is a better example. But not even, because McDaniels left, went from head coach to OC again. Right. Manny Diaz went from D.C. to Temple coach to Miami head coach. Because I guess Mark Rick just didn't tell him that, hey, I'm thinking about retiring. It was the quickest period of time that someone has used Temple as a stepping stone program. Yes. But I want to get into this. Okay. Before we get into who Temple actually hired. I kind of think of Temple and hiring their coaches. They're almost like the A's with Moneyball. Right. They clearly can't attract the top talent. But they, Temple went four for four on hires. In the history, the fucking history of college football, I can tell you one school that's gone four for four with hires. And, and that's Ohio that? State. Okay. Everyone else fucks up along the line somewhere. Right. Uh, USC fucked up with hiring Lane Kiffin or Sarkeesian. Alabama Clay, was down for years. And Clay, uh, Clay right now. Yeah, even right now. Clemson, Georgia, name anyone. Maybe Michigan. Penn State's done pretty good, but 45 years of that was Joe Paterno. Yeah. Um, Michigan. I mean, any school you can think of, there's a fuck-up in there somewhere. And at a, at, at a non-power school, that can cripple you for forever. Right. They hired Al Golden. That was a hit. Steve Adazio, Matt Rule, Jeff Collins. Then they hire Manny Diaz. And in looking... You know, doing research for the pod, they all fit the same backgrounding criteria. Do you know what that is, Tommy? Uh, young coordinator on a, like, Power 5 staff? Yes, and never have been a head coach. Okay. This is like their A's market inefficiency. They get these guys, and I'm, I'm sure by the time Golden and Adazio leave, they're almost selling that this is, a, you know, not word for word, but saying, hey, this is a great place to have your first job. Yeah, cut your chops. Yeah. So, Manny Diaz, same thing. Oh, and all of these guys are have a Southern, except for Rule, who is Penn State and NFL ties. Everyone else has a mid-Atlantic Southern connection. Al Golden did. Jeff Collins had a Florida connection. Adazio did. Manny Diaz coached at Miami. He coached at Texas. I think he was at an SEC school. I kind of I think I kind of understand that though cuz I think it's brilliant. I think Manny Diaz would have been a you know what's great about Manny Diaz leaving is that if he sucks at Miami, Temple fans can go, "Oh, dodge that bullet." And if he does great, you go, "Oh, we we were 5 for 5 on hires." Right. But I <clears throat> I was going to say like specifically recruiting guys from the south cuz Temple knows they likely have not a stronghold on the Philadelphia area, like they're going to lose a lot of the five-star guys. But they're always going to have a good foothold in, like, Pennsylvania. Philly, D.C., Mid-Atlantic area. Uh, yeah, Temple right. gets a lot of the the leftovers from the uh, DMV pickets. That's why Jeff Collins was up for the Maryland job because he recruits a lot of the, the, the second-tier studs from this. Uh, this, I'm saying this on a podcast. <laughs> I'm recording in D.C., <clears throat> this area. Right. But anyway, Temple doesn't have Manny Diaz anymore. So now it kind of fucking sucks. Temple is now in panic mode. We're now in late December, early January. 
And what does Temple do after a bad breakup? They do what any of us would do. They eat poorly for a few days, and they seek the affection of someone safe who will not hurt them. I thought you were going to say settle. Ah, uh, yeah. They did kind of settle for Northern Illinois' Rod Carey. Rod okay. Carey is not like Manny Diaz. It's not like Jeff Collins, Rule, Adazio, or Golden. Now, what he is, he's a legitimate head coach. He's been at NIU for five, six years. They just won their MAC title. They just won the conference title. But he spent his entire life coaching and recruiting. Where, Tommy? The Midwest. North Dakota. <clears throat> Wisconsin. Illinois. North Dakota. Illinois. He's an offensive line coach. Which is nice. But guess what? That's not where the good players are from. And it's so me, I'm a little bit out on the Rod Carey hire simply because, and it, it kind of sucks for Temple because they got pantsed by Manny Diaz. You know, okay. they, they couldn't go out and do their find, what, what's the word? Unearth a gem? Is that the word? Yeah. They um, couldn't go out and, and unearth a gem. Mm-hmm. They settled for a safe guy who probably won't bolt. And Rod Carey has been meh at Northern Illinois. Yeah, lifetime record, 52-30. and 30. Most of you listening that follow college football, when you think Northern Illinois, you think Jordan Lynch. He was basically Mac Tim Tebow. Loved God, yeah. couldn't really throw, but would run you the fuck over. Yeah, Jordan Lynch, or yeah. yeah. Or, or Michael Turner for way back in the day. Right. But Rod Carey was not the coach of them. That was Dave Doran, who was the current coach at NC State, and Jerry Kill before him. Mm-hmm. Now, the program hasn't sucked. They, they won the, the MAC championship last year. They kind of did the thing where they won the shitty division, though, and then pulled an upset in the championship game. Oh, yeah. It hasn't been a sharp decline, but it's been a crappy kids roller coaster downhill decline. Right. And that's what sort of scares me. No, no, that that uh, that scares me as well. Cause... No, he, he, he may be fine. Like you said, he's an offensive line coach. He has connections to the Midwest. He can get some big motherfuckers in there to block. Power running game. Maybe we can get, you know, a, a Temple version of Tim Tebow. Temple Tebow would be great. But, but you know, he, he's not a rising star in the coaching community, which Temple has done. Right. If, if he would, and like, if he was Temple's first choice, that's great. But he wasn't. There's a reason he was out there in the beginning of January. Let me let me give let me give you a take that I just thought of on the spot. So, what are Temple's best players normally? Like, what what kind of players are normally the best players on Temple? What 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 style of player would you say? I would say either a running back or a. I'm I'm thinking Muhammad Wilkerson. Muhammad Wilkerson. Or, or, or am I am I being a basic bitch and only thinking of the best NFL player? No, like Hassan Reddick. So I was thinking more like speedy guys, um, a little bit undersized, a little bit thin, but super tough, super physical, city guys, Philly guys, or DC guys. Or So yeah. what, what type of talent could you blend with those type of players? Maybe, maybe a little bit undisciplined to build – sort of a strong Big Ten-esque program. You're basically saying Carrie fits that mold of player that's going to come in. 
Right. So he fits that mold of the 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 big silent type from Wisconsin or or from Iowa, just like a big corn fed boy who likes to go out there, hit people and let and let his skill players go to work. So so I think he's the type of guy that understands these types of players, understands the type of of toughness that Temple wants to bring. And he wants to bring in and if he does recur from the Midwest, he wants to bring in some some beef to block for these guys. It's it's just like, is, is Temple bringing in guys from Chicago or Illinois? Usually these group of five schools are somewhat staying local. I mean, th- that was Penn State's whole recruiting area was, not Penn State, Temple's whole recruiting area was the local area. I'm sure they'll bring in guys. You're right. This guy has, uh, but he was a high school coach in. Now you're looking back in like 1990. He was a high school coach in, in, in Minnesota and like in the Midwest. I'm sure he has a lot of connections to the Midwest. Yeah. For the linemen, I guess, but th- there's not many stud players from there. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just giving you a little something. <laughs> I understand. Wrapping up Temple had a bad recruiting class, but that's no different. Temple's I looked back for the past five years. They've had bad recruiting classes, even for their right. conference at that level. It's more about player development. Right. They, they they recruit toughness that regardless of size or speed or like natural ability. And then they just hope whatever some percentage of those guys turn out to grow a little bit and, and turn into better football players. And they have. Yeah. No, they've been great through four coaching regimes. They've been great at developing talent. And that's why those guys get better jobs. Um, do you want to do Temple's draft prospects or just move on to Penn State? Let's move on to Penn State. I'll, I'll I'm not going to cover. We'll do the draft prospects more thoroughly in a week or two. Okay. And then for now, I'll, I'll cover it a little bit in the mailbag. All right. Um. <laughs> just funny. You're like just saying mailbag like we have. <laughs> what are you talking about? We have a mailbag. Yes. Penn State last season, um, an odd year. They entered the season, I would say, with playoff-ish expectations. Right. Even though they lost, I mean, in hindsight, it was probably a little bit lofty. Losing Saquon Barkley, Mike Isicki, my boy Deshaun Hamilton. Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen. But they were like a preseason top eight-ish team. And it's kind of an odd year looking back on it. Every year has a, a few weird bounces to it. And you could probably do this for every top 25 team that isn't Alabama or Clemson that actually plays in close games. Right. But Penn State probably should have lost to App State. They yes. got completely outplayed by Indiana. And yet, 100% should have beaten Michigan State and Ohio State. Absolutely. Weird, 9-4, and four, forgettable-ish year. Trace McSorley regressed. It was just Blew a weird the ball game to an SEC program. I, I think the real turd bowl, turd, ah, turd bowl, that would suck. Turn in the punch bowl of the season was losing to Michigan State again after getting your heart ripped out by Ohio State again. Well, the lesson here is that I guess Franklin still hasn't learned that he shouldn't be buying his players dominoes at halftime. Yes. In for those of you who don't know, in 2017, with Saquon Barkley, Penn State was number two in the country and lost at Ohio State. And then the next week lost to Michigan State at Michigan State. There was a big weather delay, and Penn State ate a shitload of dominoes. Like, 
I don't know if it was Domino's, but they ate a shitload of shitty food. It was either Papa John's or Domino's. And then came out really flat and lost to Michigan State. But at least that Michigan State team in 2017 was a decent team. Right. Same thing happens this year, except Michigan State stunk this year. Horrible. I think that's almost like the legacy of the season was we were good, but not great. We were clearly, I would say, the third best team in that division. So Ohio State, Michigan, then a gap, then Penn State, and then another big gap. Yeah, we were lucky Wisconsin was down. Offseason, not as interesting as Temple's. Definitely not. About half of Penn State's roster, it seemed like, went into the transfer portal. I think we only lost, what, one or two people that actually matter? No, I don't think we lost anyone that mattered. That's my take. couple guys that you didn't think were going to declare for the NFL draft declare. Like right. Brian Bates. Um, we had a defensive tackle. What was his name? Kevin Givens. Kevin Givens. And they were starters, but they weren't studs. And Penn State lost a couple assistants again, which is a sneaky underbelly problem with Penn State is that they pay their assistants, I think, like bottom 10% of Power 5 schools. Yeah, not Like great. Iowa is paying their assistants more than Penn State is. Not great. So Clemson and Alabama are paying their D coordinator, not offensive coordinator, more than like what Temple's coach is making. Yeah. They're making uh, yeah. fucking bank to hold on to these guys. And Penn State simply isn't doing that. So you need you need an a capable and able hand at the top. Like you need like a very very strong head coach to su- sustain team success with Penn State with the way that they pay their assistants. Yeah. I mean, and this season was I feel like Franklin's kind of back in the same place he was 2-3 years ago where you know he's a very good recruiter. But his in-game stuff just drives you insane year after year. Right. He he's not quite he's not quite where he was where we're on the brink of of pitchforks. No, yeah, yeah. You're, he's not on the hot seat. He's just on the. It's it's almost yeah. like a paradox. I I, I kind of want to do a state of the program pod, so maybe I'll save it for then. Okay. But it's almost a paradox where Franklin recruits these players that gets Penn State into dogfights. With Ohio State, which is one of the three, four best programs in the country. Right. And then he makes these boneheaded mistakes like the fourth and five QB draw with Trace McSorley or the QB read. Horrible. And then and then you come out unprepared the next week against Michigan State. And then you'll go and kick the living shit out of Maryland. <laughs> so, <laughs> one of my favorite moments of the season. So, I mean, Penn State, I mean, they're clearly a, a top 20 program. They had a top 10 recruiting class again. And all right, that's they're doing, it. Uh, they're doing Penn State things. Doing Penn State stuff. Would you say everyone's caught up now, Tommy? Did we miss anything? No, I guess the one the one big storyline for the spring right now, um, and I actually wrote an article for Philly Front Office. You can go back on our uh, PFO Blue Route page and find this, but I wrote an article about some of the spring storylines. And the biggest one that jumps out to me is that Tommy Stevens, their quarterback, um, their heir apparent to Trace McSorley is still not healthy. Um, I don't. I don't think he he's was, on the. He was field dinged up for I would say seventy percent of last season. Yeah, like a foot thing, like a recurring foot thing. It was kind of like you. Remember when you had your foot thing? I, at, at Penn State, I think I ran home. You ever get drunk and just run? Is that weird? 
No, you feel alive. The wind in your face. You can't run for very long. You get tired, but you yeah. feel alive while it's going on. Yeah, but I, I fucked up my foot, and then I was kind of just dragging it around for, what was it, months? Yeah, it was like a, it was a strong six weeks. <laughs> so, yeah, I was basically Tommy Stevens. Tommy Stevens had that injury. He probably got drunk and ran home from champs. All right. All right. I mean, is that it? All right. Is everyone caught up here? Uh, I think so, yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with some where do we stance. We want everyone to know our background takes. Where do me and Tom stand on Temple having their own stadium, Penn State's uniforms, Jerry Sandusky, Joe Paterno, all after this break. We're back with Broad to Beaver, or Beaver to Broad. What is it again? <laughs> it's Beaver to Broad. Okay, Beaver to Broad. Maybe B that'll B. be my running thing. I never really know what it is. B to B. So, with this being our first podcast... We need to get everyone up to speed with our basic, core, Penn State and Temple takes and debates. And with this being our first podcast, we have to think of some podcast segment ideas. So we'll be doing a mailbag right after this. Do you have any other segment ideas, Tommy? No, I just wanted to thank everyone for um, submitting email questions to our mailbag before we even announced that we were going to have a mailbag or the email to send it to. It's just it's just really great. that What, they got what email should we send stuff to? I'll, I'll set up an email account. Okay. It'll be depressing when no one actually emails it, but it's okay. It'll be beaver to broad at gmail.com. Maybe we should make it broad to beaver. No, okay. I don't want to confuse our lovely listeners. All right. Where do we stand? I think I have five or six of these. I should probably add some not serious ones. Anyway. Okay. Where do we stand on Jerry Sandusky and Joe Paterno? Are we Sandusky truthers? No. Yes. And I also think Joe Paterno is kind of a scumbag, too. Yeah, I think um, I think everyone there uh, is pretty awful and overlooked a lot of disgusting things in the name of successful football, and it was pretty atrocious. I think the big thing is, are we Paterno people? I am not, really. Um, I'm, I, I was kind of in on Paterno when I was there, but removed from it a couple years go by, he's kind of a scumbag. I agree. Where do we stand, Tommy? Should Temple have their own stadium? Mm. And where would you put it? Interesting. <clears throat> I think uh, one. I do think they should have their own stadium. Yes, they absolutely should have their own stadium. Houston. I mean, some of these programs in their conference are really leveling up, I should say, their facilities. Right. UCF is, you could argue, one of the 10 best programs in the country over the past two, three years. They have their own stadium. Their student body's like 50,000 or something. And they're in the middle of Florida. So UCF's going to be able to out-recruit you, especially when you don't have your own stadium. Houston right. has their own stadium and just lured Dana Holgerson from the Big 12 to come to Houston. Now, I know a lot of other schools in the conference don't have their own stadium. Cincinnati doesn't. Memphis does, but I think it's like a shitty leftover stadium, one of those mm -hmm. things. <clears throat> Tulsa... Tulsa doesn't have anything special. Uh, USF does not have their own stadium. And that I know for a fact that Charlie Strong, the head coach at at USF, hates that. Mm -hmm. So I, now that I'm saying it, I guess you don't need it. But if you consistently want to contend for American titles, I think you do need – it doesn't have to be anything special. 30,000, 40,000. 
I know that is special. I'm not the one building this thing. But, you know, you don't need a monstrosity like Beaver Stadium or anything. Right. Now. Yeah, go ahead. The problem is. Uh, sorry, did you have something, Tommy? No, I was going to say I think um, I was going to start talking about where I think they should put it. Well, I, I have the perfect place to put it. Okay, go ahead. You put it in the suburbs and just say it's from Philly, just like every Temple student. That's right. <laughs> is that what you were going to say? No, I I was going to say you put it on the um, the Chester waterfront, but that hits all the same notes that, that I wasn't going to specifically say for that reason. I was just going to say because you have the Union Stadium there. Or you just put it in Doylestown and say, hey, you know, this is basically in Philly. Well, well, realistically, it has to be close enough to, like, commute to for students. Yeah, no, that was just my joke. I, I mean, I don't know. I know Temple has several times over tried to mark off land to build a small stadium on campus. Right. I think that would be dope. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how exactly you pull it off in the middle of North Philly. No. But I'm that kind of people... on the – I'm just an objective observer, and I yeah. think they should have it. One of those things. No, I agree. I think they can go either Camden or they can go like Chester and, and build on the um, – or Wilmington even. I guess that's a little far. But like build on the – This is – it's in a different state. That's – I mean that's where the uh, – Yeah, but it's the, a – but Temple is part of the Pennsylvania school system. Okay, fair. I Okay, then I think Chester Waterfront's the move. I think you can get a nice parking lot tailgate situation going there. I've seen it work for the CRC 7s. I've seen it work. For the Philadelphia Union, I think you can easily get a crowd down but, there. I think it's but, a good place to have it. But the thing with, like, having an on-campus stadium is so much better. No, I, obviously. In terms of, like, I, I know it's different, but, and I know this is one of the worst football teams in the country, but my girlfriend goes to UConn, and they have an off-campus stadium. And I know they suck, but just no one cares. No one wants to take a bus to a game. Right. Whereas if it's on campus, ah, I'll go. It's right there. <clears throat> Tickets are probably free. I don't know. I feel like Temple students are a bunch that are down to tailgate. They're down to tailgate in, like, big parking lots. And if you provide them that kind of space, they'll be. That's true. I guess there isn't a big parking lot you can put in. Okay, so we want to build the stadium. We're not sure where to put it. I think that's probably why Temple doesn't have a stadium now. But that's fine. Why don't we move on? Chester Waterfront, heard here first. Or you build a floating sta uh, stadium in the middle of the river. Whoa. Where do we stand, Tommy, on Penn State's uniforms? Uh, classy, old-school uniforms, but could use a, could use an alternate to spruce it up once a year. You hit the nail on the head, Tommy. Penn State should do what Ohio State does, and that is they wear uh, Paterno spinning in his grave alternate every year. Once a year. Maybe for the whiteout, they wear some icy white uniforms. Google Texas A&M or Mississippi State icy uniforms. They're fucking fire. Ice. They can maybe get involved with some Penn State's original colors. The basketball team does this with the brown and pink. Oof. I think that would be dope for a game against Akron. A noon game just to piss off everyone. We could get an indie line on a helmet. Yeah. Well, Temple's uniforms are dope. Yeah. I don't really stand on Temple's uniforms. They just, they're dope. Red, black, and white is a great color scheme. Yeah, it's like the to cherry, have. too. It's a very nice red. Yeah, the, the uh, cherry. And Reminds they use me of it. like a nice Tootsie Pop, the red. Yeah. And they and they use it to the best of their advantage. Um, next, where do we stand on Penn State 
scheduling temple every year? Every year seems like a lot, but I, I, I think a regular home and home is, is a good time. Absolutely. First off, this is a Temple and Penn State football podcast. Oh, yeah. It's good for us. So I'd love for them to play every year. We'd have to do a live pod. Fuck playing Pitt every year. I'd rather play Temple every year. Here's the thing with the home and home. I don't give a fuck at all. But Penn State's not going to do it. Penn State doesn't want to do it with Pitt. And they have, you know, they actually had an intense rivalry in the 80s. But I don't know why Penn State can't have the same thing with Eastern PA. Penn State Temple thing. Like a two for one? Maybe. The other thing with the home and homes is, I think now with the college football playoff, you, you see Penn State kind of scheduling more aggressively. They're playing okay. West Virginia. I think they're playing Auburn, playing Virginia uh, Tech. Virginia Tech, yep. Now, if, if Penn State were to not play Kent State every year or Akron every year and play Temple instead, I'd be mm-hmm. fine with that. It's just that Penn State's not going to take a cupcake off their schedule and add Temple, which is, I'm saying this as a compliment, which is a tough out or, you know, a a loss like it was a few years ago. Right. And and then play a home and home with them. It's just tough doing the schedule gymnastics to play them every year. I would like them to. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think you would have to go potentially with a Big Ten relationship with the American, which would benefit the conference immensely in terms of their out-of-conference uh, schedule. Or just kick Rutgers the fuck out of the Big Ten and add Temple. <laughs> I would fucking love that, man. Do you think they would ever do that? They would add a second Pennsylvania? I guess they had Michigan, Michigan State. Well, I think schools can block it, and I'm pretty sure Penn State would block the fuck out of that. Right. Because then Temple has... Penn State gets half the recruits from the D.C. area. Right. So Temple would be closer to that and then have the same. I mean, Penn State would have better facilities, yada, yada, yada. But Temple would be, hey, we're a Big Ten school and we're two hours away. Yeah, what, what is Maryland saying now? Why does it make a difference? Is this just another wrinkle for them to recruit around? Um, Any other? Where do we stand? Hmm. Let's go to basketball. Where do we stand on Fran Dunphy getting forced out? Forced out? I don't know if he was forced out. Uh, he was like, you should probably retire. But he, he had, he had like a year to reconcile. Yes. I think I'm fine with it. I mean, he's an older guy. He's probably getting close to retirement anyway. They gave him a proper send off. And yeah, I'm now fine. It, Fran Dunphy was get some toast and dip it in milk. I'm stealing your expression. I say that a lot now, by the way. Is my, uh, is my dad's good golf buddy, Fran Dunphy. I think Temple can be really good at basketball. I agree. They have been not really I, good, but like they can be the they can be. I I don't see why they're, they they could not be on the level of Villanova at some point. I don't know if they're winning two titles in three years, but they should consistently be making Sweet Sixteens. Guys should not be leaving Philly to be go playing at Penn State over Temple or Syracuse. Yeah, well, I, I could see Syracuse. They have a a championship tradition. They put guys in the pros, Jim Beheim, but like guys leaving from Roman to go to Penn State to play for fucking Pat Chambers, Ugh. who, by the way, is working on Sirius XM this weekend. I wish I was working the shift with them. So, so you give him a piece of your mind? Yeah, but I'm not. But regardless. Okay. Any other where do we stand or do we, or do we want to go to the mailbag? Let's go mailbag. All right. You can send mailbag questions to... 
Broad to Beaver at Gmail. I just created the Gmail while we were answering wow. this question. Tommy, do you want to read the first mailbag question? Okay, first mailbag question comes from um, uh, Tom S. from <laughs> Havertown, Pennsylvania. Okay. And the question is, <clears throat> are there any good fits on either Temple or Penn State um, or any other local Philadelphia schools coming out of the draft this year that could be a nice pseudo local match local for temple and, and delaware here but penn state's not local well and one penn uh the eagles refuse to draft penn state guys i don't know why mm. uh pre-jordan howard trade i would have said miles sanders would have been a nice third round all around back to add i still think it could be in the cards as a second round guy he's getting a lot of second round buzz now he I'll tell you, Penn State has built this brand where their guys move up post-season. Oh, yeah. They are fucking workout warriors. Everybody knows the last building is downhill. <laughs> I mean, not not only Saquon Barkley, but who was the safety? Troy Apke? He fucking yeah. sucked. And he was like a third-round pick last year. He ran, what, a 4-2-9? Like, he ran like a 3-8. Not really, but it was like the fastest run at the combine that year. But Tommy, who, uh, anyway. who are you? Uh, who are you thinking? Temple, I know what is his name? Uh, Rakiasin. Yes. First off, great name. Electric name. The uh, t-shirts will sell themselves. Mm -hmm. Brandon Galton cracking himself up on Twitter with rock jokes. Huge. He's a cornerback, mm -hmm. so he'll probably drop a lot of picks. He's got mm -hmm. rock hands, stone hands. Hopefully not. Yeah, he's a he's a big physical corner. Um, he was he was kind of popping up in first round. But he looks like he'll be a second round guy. Uh, I think that the Eagles are pretty stacked at corner. They have five guys that are twenty five or under on the roster already. So I don't think they're going to go big on corner, but he's a good player and someone they could potentially use because I don't really like a lot of the guys they have on the roster outside of like Craven LeBlanc and Jalen Mills and Avante Maddox. But um, I don't know. So I think he's not really a fit. Um, I don't think Amare Amayuwale, or whatever his name is. He's also a big – he's long, too. Yeah. <clears throat> he's another, like, late first, early second guy I don't really see as a fit. Uh, Miles Sanders, we went over. Just a solid back. Not super explosive, but patient. Hits, hits the gaps well. I don't think he'll be uh, an eagle now either, as Chris hit on. What about um, uh, have... what about McGovern? I'm a big fan of interior linemen who do the center and guard thing. So yeah, <clears throat> McGovern's Allah, one of the guys. St Stefan Wisniewski. Yeah, so McGovern's one of the guys I have on my list. So I have three guys that I think we should specifically look at. Uh, what actually four guys? Four guys. Two Penn State guys, one Temple guy, and one. Uh, Delaware guy. Nasir Adderley. Nasir Adderley would be the first. He is a safety from um, Delaware, but he's like one of those, and it's similar to another guy in the draft, one of those safeties who can really, like, he's like a more of a modern safety, so he can play deep, he can play nickel, he can play corner. He play, he's like a versatile defensive back to throw on the field. He could drink protein shakes and then be a linebacker. Right. And um, he's... Uh, like they, they, the Eagles play that kind of scheme. Like they've had Corey Graham play that kind of role for the last few years. 
So if they can get someone really talented to play that for a few years, um, and then Jenkins and McLeod are a little older. So one of those guys retires. He steps up into a starting role. Could be a nice clean fit for like the back end of the first round. I don't hate it. I uh, On Sirius oh. XM, we had a draft guy on. Mm-hmm. He said Adderley is his favorite player in the draft. Kind of like wow. a draft nerdy favorite player in the draft. But he's a late first round guy that he's all in on. So That's good. I'll just side with the guy from, what's that website? The uh, Draft Network? Great website. Draft. Uh, um, next mailbag question. But no, I got two more guys. Oh, man. Sorry. Yeah, you, you didn't let me do my guys. I had a list. You know, Tom, I came prepared to answer Tom S.'s question from Havertown. <laughs> second second guy, Connor McGovern, fourth round. Um, like Chris said, he's an interior offensive lineman. He can play both guard or center. I think with Brooks, with the Achilles injury, they could use another guy um, with some depth there. And then final guy, as a fifth or sixth round pick, Rock, or let me see how to pronounce his first name. It's Rock Yasin. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Oh. Just another guy named Rock? Ryquel Armstead, whose nickname is Rock. Four Temple. Two Rock guys. Wow. 5'11", 216-pound, kind of a bruiser back. Um, could be an, a nice late-round pick for the Eagles as that third back in the Jordan Howard, Corey Clement, and then rock armstead trifecta so if if we draft rock armstead we're just cutting jamal adams the same day correct jamal adams stinks and wendell smallwood also stinks so who cares i also think jamal adams stinks but a guy i work with at sirius was high school teammates with him so anytime i spew any jamal adams hate like i have to get like yelled at by this guy don't ever give out my jamal adams takes because i don't feel like hearing it it's just beat out of your system just beat out of my system but yes, Jamal Adams does stick. Um, next question. Next question. This one comes from uh, Mike K from Durham, North Carolina. Thanks for listening, Mike. Um, if Zion declared for the draft this year, right now for the NFL draft, what round would he get chosen in, and what position would he list as? So, I see a lot on Twitter. The uh, national media types are saying he would be an unstoppable D end or tight end. Mm -hmm. But the on-air host that I work with at Sirius who Mm -hmm. cover college football and played college football all say he is literally the perfect left tackle. I know that's not flashy, uh, but you forget that left tackles are freak athletes. Yeah. So like if he puts on like another 25, well, I don't know, like 30 pounds, he could just be like an unbelievable left tackle. Yeah, that that's what they all say. Selfishly, I want him to play tight end so he can display that athleticism even more, especially mm. in the end zone. Maybe yeah. he could just be the tight end who then gets a little bit too fat and then plays left tackle. Mm. Oh, I love those. Jason Peters. I, exactly. That That's, yeah. I mean, Jason Peters is a freak of nature. Who is the other guy? The... Uh... The he was like an army ranger and then he was an eagle tack or tight end and then he got cut by the eagles and now he's a starting tackle for the um Steelers. Villa, Villa, Villanueva, Villanueva, not Something the alopecia like one. Yeah, it's not as many syllables, but it starts with a villa. And okay. where would he get drafted? I think the NFL would be hardos and pick him late, like sixth round. I think, like, you would think maybe the opposite where they get all in on. Like how Kyler Murray has shot up draft boards. Mm. I think he would go the opposite and be like, oh, pff, 
he he has no tape. You can't just pick him based off that. Right. But but maybe you know you never know with the Raiders. Maybe they pick him like thirty two. That's what I was thinking. Al Davis from the grave. <laughs> Al Davis would pick him four fourth over. So let's give him a let's give him a fifth round grade. Okay. Um. Any more? Uh, one more. We did answer Chris D from Downtown's question during our catch up segment. Thanks for writing in, Chris. Uh, final question. We got Dave P from the suburbs. If Pitt were to somehow win in Happy Valley this year, do you think Penn State would ever sign up for the Keystone game ever to be played again? Is that what it's called? I guess. Um, no, probably not. I don't think Penn State likes playing Pitt. I think it's at least James Franklin does not like playing Pitt. No, I, I think it's – and on to not sound – I guess this isn't even really my opinion. I, from Franklin's opinion, he feels like he has everything to lose and nothing to gain with the vitriol that Pitt has towards Penn State as a program, where Penn State's kind of apathetic to the whole thing. Is that fair? Yeah, and I think Penn State is just getting any recruit they want pretty much in Western PA. Yeah. First off, the, the town in Pennsylvania is not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. Penn State, yeah, they have really nothing to gain with playing Pitt every year. It sucks, but th- they're not. I don't think they're getting much out of it, which was goes back to the thing with I don't think we're going to play Temple every year either. Yeah, I think if they lose, and if they lose specifically to Pitt, like, I mean, Pitt, uh, they could have a year where they come in like second or third in the. ACC Coastal. Well, no. Well, Pitt won their division last year at seven and five. It's just the division was trash. Right. They played in the conference title game against Clemson, and on the first play from scrimmage, Clemson scored a seventy-five yard touchdown. <laughs> right. So, but like theoretically, like they could like because they play in a weak division, could roll off like ten wins and be someone who could like get mentioned for almost making the playoff. Like they have that capability, so they're not like a a terrible program if they get it together. I just think Penn State generally has a lot to lose by regularly playing them and putting themselves up. It's kind of like how Temple is with Villanova. Like this year, Temple loses to a one double A Villanova team for the second time in like three or four years. Yeah, they they get nothing out of that. No. And Villanova's Villanova's a top ten D one double A program. Right. I don't understand why these like Iowa plays North Dakota State every other year. You're not going to get credit for beating them. Why not just play a trash D1 AA school? Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I think I think they th- and I in general, I think these teams should be banned from playing one AA teams. I agree. I have one more mailbag question. It is a non uh, sports mailbag question. Mm. This is from Chris A in DC, College Park. Uh, well, he actually sent it in from D.C. Oh, okay, okay. Different Chris A. Dear guys, I saw a tweet the other day that said leftovers are actually better than food the day of. Mm. I think this take is horrible, and my girlfriend agrees with it, and it kind of pisses me off. What do you guys think about leftovers being better than day of food? I'm here for it. I'm I'm here for leftovers. I'm team leftovers. It obviously depends on the type of food. So so you think takeout is better the day after than the day of? I think specifically Chinese food, Thai food, Italian food, all better the next day. 
All that are either reheated or cold the next day. That is, it's made, like, I don't even get food delivered to me. I don't want it to get even, like, warm. I want the food hot and out of the oven. And here's another thing for me. Maybe it's just I'm a child. The the, uh, texture thing that we talked about on our other podcast. Shout out Quasi-Series Philly Sports Podcast. Yeah, likely the child thing. Yeah, continue. Seeing, like, leftover Chinese food and the noises it makes. If someone wants to heat up the food for me and I don't have to see it or smell it, then I'm okay with the takeout being heated up the next day. But it's so much better the day of. So you order food and be like, man, I can't wait to eat this tomorrow when it's warm. No, 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 no. I order food and I enjoy it the night of, and it's still delicious. Obviously, it's ridiculous to say it's probably better the next day. But I think I You and I gave this take to my girlfriend. Believe that. Well, I mean, cold food is very good. Like cold noodles and like cold pasta the next day is very good. And also sometimes when you reheat a soup, like when you reheat a chili, it congeals a little bit more. When you reheat a pasta, you get a nice flavor. And I'm not talking microwave. I, I know you're such a heathen that you only reheat things in the microwave. You never would do anything all right, on the All right, and now we're changing it. Okay. Maybe in the oven. Like reheated pizza in the oven's nice. That's what I'm talking about. Like you're a heathen. I'm not talking about microwaving a slice of pizza in the oven. I mean, in the, in the microwave. That would be wild. Putting your microwave oh. in the oven. I'm talking about real deal reheating here. It's not putting better, in, but it's putting not in a as real bad. Okay. I thought we were simply talking microwave. No, I don't microwave anything. The only thing I microwave is popcorn, ready rice, and that's it. Oh, Uncle Ben's 90 seconds. You get a nice thing of rice. It's so nice. Oh, I did it tonight. Roasted chicken flavor. Ah, oh, I hate that one. That one sucks. It did suck. I, I forgot it sucked. Okay. That's the pod, our first one ever. Uh, be on the lookout for it. Well, you can't really be on the lookout for it because you found it. Yeah, I don't here. know why. Um, be on the lookout for our other podcast, the Quasi-Serious Philly Sports Podcast, which is honestly, after being done our first one, this is a lot more serious than the Quasi. Mm. Wouldn't you agree? That's because that one's Quasi-Serious. Yeah, this one is actual football takes. Semi-Serious. All right. Um, I don't know how to wrap this up. Uh, the band from our other podcast usually plays an out song for us, so I'll I will have to find an out song for this podcast. We need to get another song from the same band potentially. Eh, I think I want to switch it up. Okay. Uh, podcast over.